the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, I'm back from vacation. Good to be back uh, with you. I'm at my house right now. Uh, I will be getting back into the studio shortly, not today, but we're uh, going to make sure that that happens here fairly quickly. You who are, are watching on Facebook, you get to look at my mug. I don't know. I, I think we may have a picture of me up there. Uh, and it, it's me, but it is me talking to you live today. I have gotten back from vacation uh, kind of had a good time, uh, kind of didn't have a good time. I had to sit, uh, you know, in my room one day because Sally, uh, you know, got pretty close to us on the Gulf Coast. I was down uh, along the Gulf about 100 miles from where the eye made landfall and lots and lots and lots of rain and wind. I haven't been through a hurricane in a while, so, you know, that was a, a reacquaintance that I would rather not do again in the near future. Uh, here in Arkansas, being the first day of fall, uh, we're starting to feel the effects of Bertha, who uh, came up, uh, you know, ashore down there around the Galveston area, swinging up towards us. Tomorrow we'll get about an inch of rainfall out of that. So I can't get away from this stuff. You know, as far as I'm concerned, the hurricanes can stay where they're at down in in the, the Atlantic and uh, in the Gulf area and leave us alone up here in Arkansas and whatever. Elizabeth is here with me. It's good to have uh, her back and going to be great to talk to her today. I've I've spoken to her a little bit. I mean, I really went on vacation this year with the uh, the whole object of uh, completely delinking from what was going on in the world and stuff. And for the most part, I have uh, succeeded. I think, how many, let me just ask you, Did I, I sent you what, about two texts during the time I was gone, Elizabeth? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> you got a great vacation, a soggy vacation. It, well, it's, it was sunny during part of it, but it was really rainy and nasty during and part soggy. of it. But that's okay. Here's the key. I got away from it all. That that is what vacation is for me to do is to to not to do my show. I I have to explain that to my my wife because vacation for her is when you get where you're going, you're not on vacation. You're on a mission, and uh, you, you got to run here and you got to run there and you got to do this and you got to do that. And I looked at her and said, "Hurricane can't do that." And you know. <laughs> We had some friends that were down there, so we hung out at 
you know, around where their rooms were. I mean, we could get out on the balconies and sit on the balconies and, and talk and things of that nature. But And then we went out to eat every night. So that's what we did. But uh, it, it wasn't your typical sunny Panama, you know, city beach uh, type of, uh, of vacation. But, hey, don't feel sorry for me. I am re-energized, and I couldn't have come at a better time because, of course, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. I'm not saying that's a better time. I'm just saying that she passed away, and that's what we got to talk about. I mean, the Republicans have to make up their mind. Are they going to fill that position? I believe they will fill that position, although, you know, you got Collins up in Maine, who's uh, in a very tight re-election up there, who's going to have to watch her P's and Q's about what she's doing. And Murkowski up in Alaska, that woman don't know, you know, if it's daylight or night. I mean, she doesn't know if the sun rises in the east or rises in the west. Uh, That woman doesn't have any smarts at all as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, those two may be really shaky as far as other people. They've got to understand the history of uh, naming replacements. And everybody's Merrick Garland, Merrick Bar. Remember what you guys did to Merrick? Hey, Merrick was up when the GOP had the had the Senate, and the Democrats had the presidency. And when that happens, nobody moves forward. That's historically accurate, what I just said to you. Of course, when it comes to history and the left, you know, they try to rewrite it, and they're going to try to rewrite it now. Just know that nobody's ever been confirmed when there's been a Democrat or a Republican as a president, and the opposite party has been in uh, the Senate. It just doesn't go down that way. But when you have uh, the, a party that controls the Senate or, and, and controls the White House, they do move forward on it. And uh, I'm hoping that, is it Barrett that's such a, a pro-lifer? She's the Roman Catholic, correct? I believe, but we have another evangelical also in the in the mix. Yeah, I heard so. that she's being she's being mentioned. But Barrett is the one that uh, was mentioned before. All right, and they Correct. decided Correct. to go. She's Catholic. Yes, and she oh my gosh, Ka- your religion is Kavanaugh. going to get in the way. Your religion is going to be a problem. You know, you understand the, the now, Democrats have already made that a big issue. Let's talk about that for a second, because historically. Do you remember when being a Roman Catholic got in your way? Uh, John F. Kennedy. That's exactly right. <laughs> John F. The Kennedy. president of our country. <laughs> remember, remember, the Democrats said, oh, no, you know, his, his, oh his religion won't get in the way. And uh, he, he just barely, I mean, he squeaked by, and thank you to the mafia for this, they squeaked by mm-hmm. the wind there because they got the... Uh, they got the big labor vote out in Chicago. But I'm just telling you, man, they start bringing that up. The arguments that the Democrats made for John F. Kennedy, they better be ready. They be, and But they don't remember well, history. You know that and I know that. No, but we do. And those of you out there who do remember, just know that whatever you heard back in 1960, whatever it was, is what you're going to hear today. Yeah, it's exactly Except, except it, except it's going to the replay the, button. The anti-Catholics are going to be the Democrats this time. Correct. 
that. Correct. But the arguments are exactly the same. It's going to be highly, and of course, it's only going to be 100 times more vitriolic. Oh, my God. I mean, the I Democrats are bullying our country right now. They are bullying our country. And I don't know why the Republicans are, are sitting still for it. Well, I said that. They should long... be calling them out now. You know, uh, sorry, McConnell is certainly blocking them. The turtle is doing a good job right now. But yep. the Republicans need to be on the floor of their of their chambers up there calling these people out for what they're doing. They are I, I expect what we'll hear from Cotton of our country. I expect we'll hear from Cotton. And I hope that uh, uh, John Bozeman, Senator Bozeman, our senior uh, senator, will get up and make a speech about this as as well as he should and say, let's move forward and do this and do it right. Well, co- Cotton said this on the weekend. He came out and said, yes, we're going to move forward with this right away. Of course, he's one of the three senators that Trump mentioned as possible nominees. And Josh Hawley of Missouri, and um, sorry, the mind is blank at the moment. The second one, they both have pulled away and said, oh, Ted Cruz, of course, of Texas, said, no, we'd rather stay in the Senate. Tom Cotton has not said that. Tom Cotton is continuing to just be out there doing what he does, and he is in a unique position because he has no real opponent this fall, so he does not have to be occupied with the election or be concerned about what he says may keep him from being elected. Well, I'll tell you what else he's got. He's in a strong position right now. He's got a war chest with that pack that he can throw a lot of money behind the Supreme Court nominee. And he has been using his pack money uh, generously. All right. So uh, it's, again, the level of rhetoric has increased to such a such a level at this point that the comment is Justice uh, Stevens was confirmed in 19 days. That's right. We should be able to get this done since 1975. It has taken an average of 51 days since we have become so polarized. I do not feel confident that we can get it done quickly. I think they'll push it and I think they'll try to do it. But this is this is the thing. The Democrats are doing their our way or no way. Our way or we will burn it down. Our way or we will not meet with you. Remember when Pelosi and Schumer walked out on Trump because they didn't like what he was saying? They refused to negotiate. They refused to participate. They refused to uh, engage in our republic in the way that it's designed to operate. And at this point, they are bullying our entire country. Who cares? I mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I don't care whether Ruth Bader Ginsburg decided she didn't want to be replaced. I don't care. It's not her job. She does not get to decide that. It is the Senate's job. It is the president's job. When we elect those people, we elect them to do their job, and they yeah, are in but here's the problem. they here's, are not. Here's the problem. If you're <laughs> Chuck Schumer, you've got Nancy Pelosi's hand in your back, and she's moving your mouth. You know what I'm saying? Well, That's exactly course, what's going on. And she's just going bonkers right now. She has bounced all over the place. She is losing her mind. Because I don't, you know, I don't think anybody expected this death to occur. And it really reverberated last Friday night when it hit the news. I mean, it didn't take 15 minutes. I happened to have been watching television when it came across the screen. It didn't take 15 minutes before they were all talking about what was going to happen with the vacancy. 
And I mean, it just within an hour had exploded all over everywhere, of course. But the Democrats were not prepared, you see. And they have put themselves in the corner that they're in with all of their maneuvers that they've done in the past. For example, getting rid of the filibuster in the Senate and so forth. Yeah. You tell me. By the way, we don't need more. Wait, 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 wait. Don't say anything. Just wait a second. Let me just ask this question. How can you be caught flat-footed with (laughs) Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away when you know that she was battling terminal diseases and she was in her 80s? That's the way I I look at it, but that's what I see. I think they're going crazy because they weren't ready. Or yeah, maybe they think, were too preoccupied with keeping up with their their uh, you know their terrorist arm. Yeah, burning down the cities. That's maybe what that they were was up it. For. You know, maybe Between they were just too up, occupied with that. <laughs> burning up cities and making everybody wear masks around the country. Hey, it's eighteen after yeah. six. We got to get our first break in. Let's do that. When I come back, we'll pick this up again because this is the topic. And if you're a conservative, if you're if you're a Republican. And those are not synonymous terms sometimes. If you're a conservative and you're a Republican, stay with us because we got we got lots explaining to do. All right. We're going to do it on the Dave Ellswick show right here on 101.1 FM. The answer. 23 minutes after six. Yes, I'm back. All right. I am back doing the show now. I'm back from vacation. It was a great vacation. Had a great time. Got deconnected, delinked. Un, I wasn't on uh, every morning looking at uh, you know what was going on on Fox and on CNN and on MSNBC and all the rest of them. I just de delinked totally. I uh, I cleansed my system for a few days, and and I'm ready to go. I last night I sat down and and did a whole bunch of stuff in my brain with with uh, information. I really started when I heard that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, because I knew that was going to be the main topic for the next couple of weeks. I mean, seriously, this is where the fight's going to happen. And I warned you about this during Kavanaugh. Everybody said, this is so terrible. This is incredibly vicious. And I said, you ain't seen nothing until the next vacancy. Because Mm -hmm. this vacancy totally will switch the Supreme Court from liberal to conservative. That is a, well, for what we, at least we, we think hope. it will. We think <laughs> it will. You can't, I can't promise you that because we put some really, uh, you know, big uh, dialed up conservatives in the Supreme Court and they turned around and and uh, were closet uh. liberals. It was crazy uh, what they did, some of those people. But anyway, I wanted to tell you something, Elizabeth, that you're going to love. Yesterday, I drove back from Florida. I went across the panhandle of Florida, all across from the southern part through the middle to the western part of Alabama, across the, the, the center of Mississippi, through the bottom tip of Tennessee, and there were Trump 2020 flags, banners, uh, signs everywhere, everywhere. You know what, there wasn't even, let me tell you now, you want to know where there wasn't even, I didn't even see one sign of, I didn't see one, and I'm I'm not making this up, I did not see one Biden-Harris placard, decal, anything, not 
one. Huh. That's the, pretty amazing. The only other That's yard the only other yard sign I saw besides Trump twenty twenty, Trump Pence twenty twenty was Jesus twenty twenty. Yes. Now I've seen a couple, two or three of those. We have some big billboards between Conway and Little Rock that back in 2016 had a Trump sign, one sign. Last I looked about a week ago, there were two Trump signs on one side of those billboards. There's a whole set of them. There's one Trump sign on the opposite side, as well as you've seen that commercial on television about love one another right now, and it's Jesus 2020. Yeah. So I think people are starting to uh, understand that we need to be on our knees and we need to be praying and we need to be looking for helping this country get back to where we need to be. This is the opportunity. If yeah. Trump is successful, we're able to change the Supreme Court for how many years, Dave? Fifty? Yeah, more than that. A long time. A long time. Yeah, and it it's, it's been the since the late 50s. That our country is on, we hope. Let's not forget about Warren, man. I mean, look, Eisenhower put Warren on the court. And he was supposed yeah. to be the, the moderate conservative and turned into be no moderate, no conservative. He was as liberal Robert. as they came. Roberts. <laughs> not, you know, he wasn't no Roberts, yeah. man. I mean, yeah, Roberts, Roberts has Roberts made has some, been a very big disappointment. He's put a gun well. to our heads and pulled the trigger a couple of times. I'll be honest with you. But yeah. Warren, oh, by the holy way, crap. He changed everything for a good long while. Oh, my I, God. I just want to say one thing. Anybody who wants to talk to me about the Democrats pushing this point, I just want to remind them of what happened with Obamacare. After midnight on a holiday weekend, the last day of the year, but boy, we had to do it. These folks, the Democrats, would not be dithering about if they if the, the circumstances were reversed. Oh no! And we have oh, to get, no. we have to get with it. We have to get with it and understand that you know we can pretend to be high and mighty and have all these wonderful goals and all this, but we better get in the fight. Yeah, I mean, Biden, if, if, Biden, if Biden was president right now, he'd get up in front of a microphone with his mask oh. on and we wouldn't be able to understand <laughs> him. And then he would take his mask down and then we'd understand the words he's saying, but they would make no sense. And uh, but the, 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 the argument would be we're going to fill the Supreme Court, uh, you know, vacancy. It's our responsibility. If they it's had our the, responsibility, if they yeah. had the White House and they had the Senate, if. If the places were reversed, the argument that they would be using wouldn't even be close to ours. They wouldn't be nice about it. They would just of say, we're going to slam this baby down your throat, so uh, get used to it. That's their way. Well, and here's the thing. You've got a president that's in place for four years. We have a, a vacancy that's come up near an election. So if you're going to say, okay, you know, we're too close to the election, you know, this president should not do his job, where is that dividing line? Is it a year back from the election? Is it two years? He serves for four. Might as well make it four. I mean, come on. No, we elect a president and a Senate to do their jobs until someone else takes those positions. It has nothing to do with how close you are to an election. That's an arbitrary line. Is it two months away? Is it six months? Is it a year and a half? Where is it? And once they ever got any sort of a concession on that, 
again, if they said, oh, six months, okay, everybody agrees, six months. Oh, no. By the next time it happens, they would push the point right. in. We break. have to hold break. the line, period. Got a break. Time for the news. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, here's your news. All right, back. 25 minutes to 7. Good to have you along. Uh, I'm hoping that Alan Kerr will join us uh, at 6 p.m. tonight because Leslie Rutledge, uh, our AG, will be arguing before the Supreme Court of the land uh, in October dealing about these uh, pharmaceutical middlemen uh, that we were fighting back in 2017 you remember that was a big topic on the dave ellswick show and alan was on quite often because he was the insurance uh, commissioner then trying to get him on to talk about uh, you know what what are the arguments uh, for supporting getting rid of those people because they're the ones that are driving up prices uh, and they're the ones that are putting small pharmacies out of business uh, out in the rural areas uh, and people like CVS and uh, Walgreens and Walmart are uh, sucking up all that business. Basically, I think if you look at it, CVS has been the one that's making a lot of hay on it. But right now, let's talk yeah. about this this whole uh, Supreme Court deal that's uh, that's going on right now. Let's let's remember this throughout American history when uh, your party controls the Senate. Presidents get to fill Supreme Court vacancies at any time, all right? Uh, Even in a presidential election year, even in a lame duck session after the election, even after a defeat. Historically, when the opposite party controls the Senate, the Senate gets to block Supreme Court nominees sent up in a presidential election year, and hold the seat open for the winner. Okay, that's when you control the Senate, but you don't control the White House. Now, both of those precedents are settled by experience as old as the Republic. Republicans should not create a brand president to deviate from them. Remember that, Collins, and remember that, Murkowski, Both of you don't go wobbly on us, although you've already shown that you're going to, and you're bringing Merrick Garlic garlic up, and and it has no precedent in the time we're talking right now. That was a situation when the GOP controlled the Senate, the Democrats controlled the White House. Now it's Republicans control the White House, Republicans control the Senate, they control can let the president put up who he wants to put up, and then if they go along with who he's uh, going to nominate, and I would assume that they will uh, because he'll be talking to them about this, then they'll get behind him and push him over the finish line. I mean, that's where we're at right now. That's the way history has has proven itself here in America. Of course, here now uh, in the present day, You've got a four. You've got a third party out there called the mainstream media, who's going to be parroting whatever the Democrats say. Okay, here here's what you're going to hear uh, being pushed by the mainstream media. We got to get rid of the uh, electoral college. That'd be that's <laughs> going to that's going to come up again because oh. if it's a electoral college is what's making 
uh, the, the, the final decision on who's president, then the minority is winning in America. That's not true, but that's what they're no. going to say. All right, just let so you no, know. The Electoral College levels the playing field, and they would have you think that it's something other than that. Mm-hmm. It's actually the opposite of what they're saying. If they it got is. rid of the Electoral College, New York and California and whatever would rule the whole country because they would have the majority. It's because that's a, what the people are. You know, if you control the, the New are, York right. and California, you could probably control the presidency. All right, so you're going to hear that. Uh, number two, you're going to hear, maybe it's time that we've got more than nine members on the Supreme Court. <laughs> Let's now, pack the Supreme Court. Yeah. yeah. Now, the last time that that was tried, it was by oh, Franklin well. Delano Roosevelt. He's the one who tried it. Forty-seven was it? It's a yeah. long time ago. It didn't yeah. go well. And well, but you had enough conservatives in Congress that they said, "Wait a second, no, we're <laughs> not going to do that." And the Senate put a kibosh on it. They really did. Now, they, I think they, they still can. Uh, but those uh, Democrats that are out there, like from West Virginia and stuff, will they break ranks? Or will they play party politics? That's the, that's the big I, question. I will predict right now you will not see a single Democrat deflection, defection, not a single one. They can't afford it. They're gonna, their own party is going to cut them off, <laughs> you know, cold in the wedge if they decide to step out of the circle, especially at this point. They'll use what Dr. Pohl uses on the farm. They'll use the old nutcracker on them. That's what they'll do. <laughs> That's exactly that's what they're going to do. Uh, So you're going to hear that argument. Uh, And let me just say about the whole thing about, uh, you know, filling the court, making it bigger. That doesn't take a constitutional amendment. That only takes a majority vote in the House and the Senate. So now let me tell you what, why it's important that we hold the Senate is to keep that kind of craziness from happening. Well, and people may not know, it's a little different, but the D.C. Circuit Court, the reason that we can't get any good rulings now out of the D.C. Circuit Court is because Obama and Biden added justices to the D.C. Supreme Court when they were in office. And, you and know it was they, easy for them to do. And do so you, they loaded not only when they did it? but loaded it with Democrats. Do you remember when they did it? I there don't a, remember the There was a famous decision. A famous decision came oh, out of the D.C. court called Heller versus Washington, D.C. The DC. Heller decision, yes. And that had to do with the uh, the right Guns. to an individual to own a firearm. And after that happened, they yeah, packed the yeah. court. They packed the court. And that's um, I'm nervous that that's exactly what they're going to proceed to do. I don't know that they'll be successful, but they're going to proceed if we are not able to. Well, let's put it this way. We will. Ho- I hope we hold the Senate. We probably won't keep the get the House turned over. We might. But if they have the House and we have the Senate, it's just they're going to use the House like they're doing now. We already have Nancy Pelosi parading around acting as if she's president because she's the speaker of one party in a two-party Congress that's only one house of a three-branch government. She thinks she's in charge. She's running the show. She's yep. going to continue doing that, and they will push as hard as they can. Well, it she's, will got, be she's got her hand wheel. 
I, I, I say she's got her her hand in, in Schumer's back. Really, it's a little lower than that. And yeah, she's control, and controlling his mouth, all right? Uh, I'm going to have Robert Steinbach, by, by the way, join us here in a moment. And he's going to talk about the last time they tried to pack the court. Uh, the Democrats Good. tried. The, the Senate caved. The House didn't. And we're going to hear uh, from uh, Robert how how that was. So, uh, Heidi, as soon as uh, Robert calls in, let me know he's on the line, and we'll get him up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, In fact, let's go ahead and get our break in right now. And then Robert Steinbach's going to be with us. Don't go away. It's important that you understand history because you probably haven't been taught this. So stay with us. Important that you hear exactly how history manages What's happening in the Supreme Court right now? For, uh, what, 6.43, about 17 minutes till uh, 7. We had some traffic problems. We'll have more uh, on that coming up in just a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Okay, so we said that FDR tried to pack the courts in 1947. That's wrong. Uh, we ch- he tried to pack the courts in 1937 37. when he was passing the New Deal and all the radical socialist crap that he was pushing. And the Supreme Court was causing him problems. So he said, OK, you're going to play it that way. Well, here's what I'll do. I'll make it so we we get more Democrats and more uh, progressives of that time on the court, and I won't have these problems with you. All I got to do is get the majority of the House and the Senate to go along with me. Little did he know there were some people of principle at that time in Congress. Is that right, Robert? principle in Congress, albeit I have no doubt that that is a true statement. So he threatens the Senate, excuse me, he threatens the Supreme Court and says, I'm going to pack your court. The fight was with the court members. If you guys don't start ruling in my favor, because the court kept striking down all of his leftist New Deal ideas, because the court said it interfered with freedom of contract. In other words, Woo. he would p- pass a bill that says uh, you can't have kids working more than 60 hours a week. And the Supreme Court said, well, it's freedom of contract. You can do whatever you want. It's a very conservative view of the contract right. And so they kept striking down his proposals or his laws, which were passed through Congress, and he threatened the Supreme Court, said, I'm going to add more members who will agree with me. And then one of the justices started switching his vote in favor of FDR. So FDR didn't need to pack the court. That's called the switch in time that saved nine. Now, the history is even more deep because that's the general story is that one of the justices switched. So FDR, just because he felt pressure and that's, of course, a dangerous phenomenon. There's some interpretation now that says that the switch was not as political as it appeared to be, or at least as most people claimed it to be, that it actually reflected some more nuanced understanding or belief in the law. I'm not sure that's correct, but I just want to share that additional, uh, more modern view of what may have happened. Okay. All right. <clears throat> All right. Well, that, and we that's had kind of threats, interesting. Wasn't it? 
wasn't it Schumer last year who threatened, uh, or was it during the Kavanaugh? I just remember the Democrats threatening, you know, the justices with vote our way or else. Was it right after Kavanaugh was approved, uh, in- installed? I remember Schumer standing on the steps of the, of the uh, U.S. Capitol saying, you will vote our way or else. He was threatening the Supreme Court. I just don't understand that's, where the Democrats... That's vaguely familiar, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, can't but, place it right now. But here's the key. Threats are one thing. Being able to, make, to pull it off is totally a different thing. I mean, uh, there's enough well, people... Well, where do they get off even threatening the court, the Supreme Court? Who do they think they are, this party? Well, they've thought they that... They're only part they, of this our is country. No, nah, it's, it, it's never been at... That's ne- the Supreme Court uh, aren't, you know... The nine individuals in black robes are are not their demigods. They don't care. Uh, they're, oh, that's true. Those nine are more demigods to the Republican Party than they are to the Democrat Party. That's the that's the big the big deal uh, as far well, as you're that's right concerned. about that. They get in the they get in the way of the Democrats, don't they? <laughs> yeah, if they, they they've been in their way now. Now they they're talking ugly about them. But uh, if they if they can get it going their way, yeah. they'll do nothing but talk sweet about them. That's that's uh, that's well, the way here that it they was. do. It was it was Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. Uh, here it is. Schumer said, "I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what you what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions." Yeah, they can wait. Yeah, just I, wait. Yeah. I've said all along, and Robert, uh, this is something I said earlier on in this hour. I told everybody during the Kavanaugh hearings, if they thought that was rough and tumble and that was bare, cool. bare fist fighting, it wasn't nothing compared to what was going to happen when uh, they had to replace one of the the, the liberals on uh, the nine that are up there now. This is going to be a war. Do you not see that coming? Sure. With that being said, given the change in the procedures that were initially initiated by the Democrats, it's going to be hard for them. Well, it's in fact going to be impossible for them to stop this nomination from going through if 50 or, or more Republicans vote in favor of the that's nomination. That's the key. Now, that's and the key. And they did it to themselves. Because we got, 50, we got themselves. 53. We got 53. Isn't that right? Yes. Okay. We well, now we got 51 because Collins and, and uh, of course, is such a, in that real tight race up in, in Maine, and she's she's wavering heavily right now. And you got Murkowski up in uh, – uh, in Alaska, who is Republican in name only. I mean, she is a rhino through and through, so I don't trust her as far as I can see her. Uh, the other 51, I think, we're pretty solid on. Well, there's a special election where the husband of the um – she was an astronaut, right? Got shot? Or, no, Gifford. He's the astronaut. Gifford's husband, and I yep. don't think his name is Gifford's for some they, you know, they didn't take each other's no, name. No, it's not. He, he's running against a Republican, I forget where, and that's a special election which is going to take place sooner. So if they don't have the vote before that election and he wins that special election, that Republican's Uh-oh. vote is also out. But this is well, good. If if it gets to be 50-50, my buddy, Mike Pence, 
needs gets to walk into the chamber and say, thumbs down to the Democrats. I would love it. I, th- that he would will, make my day. Of course he will. <laughs> right. Of course you would. would. That would make my day. There's a story this, there's a story this morning that uh, Lindsey Graham told Sean Hannity last night. Yesterday morning, Lindsey Graham was saying, I think we have enough votes. By last night on Hannity, he said, we have the votes. We have 50 oh. votes. Okay. So I don't know, you know, Lindsey Graham, that's what he says. Yeah. Well, Lindsey tends to. As of last he, night. He's one of those, you know, he's he's like a whip, man. I mean, he calls yeah. people and he yeah. says, how are you going to vote? And they'll tell him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He says they have they the know votes. Lindsay's the real question talk in my it. mind, will they call, will, you know, will they call? They don't have to do. How does this work, Rob? I read yesterday that we don't have to have confirmation hearings. They could just move directly to the Senate and have a vote, possibly. The answer to that, but I do know as a general matter that there there is or are procedures by which you can bypass the committee. I know that more so on legislation, but I would gather that that's theoretically correct about uh, a nomination as well. But I don't know for sure yeah. the answer to that. All I don't right, see so. that they'd pull it off, but it's possible. All right, we're down to about three minutes here. Do you guys see like I do? That if you're a Roman Catholic and you're, you know, you go to mass and and you do all the things that you feel that you have to do to be a good Roman Catholic, do you think they're going to be shocked at how the Democrat Party attacks them? Well, I think there's some risk, right? I think that it's hard to tell whether this appointment process is going to motivate the Republicans or the Democrats more, because you're going to uh, demonstrate to the Republicans that the Democrats are going to even further mess up this country if they take control. This is Uh all of the things they say they're going to do in reaction. But the flip side is if the Republicans get in their nominee, what happens to the Democrats? Are they more motivated to get out and vote? I don't know the answer to that question. And that's why it's just one of many factors now that makes it, I think, much harder to predict uh, who's going to win the presidency. I'm not sure that's exactly an answer to your question, by the way, Dave, but it's a question I answered. Well, I personally (laughs) think that since in four years ago, it was the Supreme Court that was the, and, you know, the final push that Donald Trump needed. He's going to get right. the final push again because of the Supreme Court. Uh, I think that the Republican ground game is going to put the president over the finish line. They've got a huge ground game, especially in uh, the states that everybody know call swing states. There's a huge ground game where we had, you know, 10 and 15 people in Pennsylvania in 16. We've got thousands in Pennsylvania now. I'm telling you, the all these polls that you're seeing are BS. And I'm going to tell you the biggest BS poll that came out, the one that showed that uh, uh, French Hill was in trouble in District 2. Let me just tell everybody, French Hill is not in trouble. He's going to win by six to eight points uh, coming up in the election in November. And I'll talk about that tomorrow on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, i got to let 
my folks go. I got to let Robert go. I got to let Elizabeth go. Elizabeth, I'll talk to you at 6 p.m. You want to join us at 6 p.m. as well, Robert? Sure. Okay, we'll have you back as well. Bible Guys are next on the Dave Ellswick Show. have them along and i'm going to tell you right now billy it's fantastic to hear your voice again how you doing brother man i am well finally good uh, i'm finally on the back side of covid so is it as bad as everybody says it is uh there were parts that were far worse and most of it was not nearly as bad as uh, some people talk about the first three or four days uh were miserable and then i was just exhausted for about three weeks uh you, you get up and and walk to the sink to get a glass of water and by the time you finish drinking that water you're ready for a nap so um it, it was it was bad but it was not nearly as bad as some people had said okay now did that go through your whole family it, it got uh, three out of the five of us, yeah. Wow. Wow. That had been really, really tough. We were praying hard for you, brother. Just want to let you it. know. We prayed hard for you. Uh, Scott's here. Steve's here. Hey, Scott, how are you? Doing well, my friend. Yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Doing absolutely that? grand. That foot looking okay? It is looking. It's really looking good. I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I left to go on vacation... My foot was leaking uh, a little bit of blood uh, on uh, the area around where they took off my big toe. And uh, not quant, you know, not a lot. It's not like it was puddling at my foot or something. Uh, but it would bleed through a bandage, and I, my, I'd take off my shoe, and my sock would have, you know, a red stain on it. Uh, by the time Monday came a week ago, uh, not yesterday, but a week ago Monday, it had stopped. And I have not had one uh, episode of, of, of uh, blood since then. And uh, that spot has gotten where it's just a pinprick left. So it's almost, almost all the way healed up. Uh, I see Ardawan, my surgeon, again here shortly. I'll see Jarkeg, my, my uh, 
my uh, doctor on Friday, and I think they're all going to be very, very happy with what they found. I, I mean, I've been walking around on the beach, and, and when you get on that that sand and it's making making your foot, you know, move in weird ways, uh, if it's going to put pressure anywhere, it's going to be, you know, where there's been, uh, you know, any kind of operation, and I had no problem with it at all. So I'm I'm really stoked now. I'm feeling really good. Praise God. Are you, are you still ghosting? Do you still feel like you have toes? Uh, no, I haven't had that feeling the last few days. That finally went away. Although I will say, Friday night of last week, it was so weird. I was lying in bed almost asleep, and I felt like somebody had shocked my, me in my big toe. And it literally made me jump. That was really, really weird. Really, really strange feeling. So with that said, Steve, how are you doing, brother? You you had the COVID-19 uh, run in. You're doing fine <clears throat> now? Still doing excellent. Feel back to 100%. Good. That's good. You're back to teaching again? Yep. All yep. right. So Everything's back to normal. So they got We're you off of dog. your... Uh, they're not making you stay out in the trailer out in the front yard now, huh? <laughs> No, no, I did have to do that for two weeks, though. So. <laughs> I can only imagine yeah, how was, uh, ridiculous that was. That didn't have anything to do with COVID, though. That was just, oh, wait. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. That was just his wife saying, get out in the doghouse. Right. He told us it was COVID, but it was really because right. Casey just put her foot down. Yeah, well, been I, it. Uh, I ran down to the store to pick up a few things, and she moved all my stuff in the camper, and I said, what are you doing? And she was, <laughs> I thought, I thought you were going to get a COVID test, so she was just yeah. trying to get rid of me. Oh, yeah. Well, we know that that's not true. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Something really weird has happened. I sent you guys the questions. You have them. Uh, Heidi sent me the questions, and I read them because I sent them to you, and I can't find them in my sent file, and I can't find them under Heidi. It's just really so I'll Facebook them to you, Dave. I'll, I'll message them to you. Okay, so Heidi's telling me she's going to message me on Facebook, so I'll get them back. So I, I'm i not sure exactly what happened there. I don't know if it was operator error or something else, but we'll figure it out as we, we go along this morning. So did you guys enjoy your one week off, or, or did you have, like, uh, you know, the shakes and stuff? You know, not having to do the show. <laughs> it's really I, weird. I, I up. Sorry? I said, it's really weird when you get to sleep in because you don't get to sleep in. Robert was just on the last hour with me, and he says, I wake up before I go on the air when you're gone. So now you've screwed up my sleep. <laughs> now, I'm I'm uh, always up early anyway, so uh, it works uh, It works fine for me. I, I filled in the time with... Uh, with some hard work, Dave. You know, I always, I always put my my hand to the plow. Yeah, I know you do. You keep your nose to the grindstone, as as uh, the old saying and the old saying goes. Okay, I've got the questions. Are you guys ready? Yes, sir. All right, uh, dear Bible guys, I sent in a question last week. However, well, if you sent it last week. We didn't answer it. Anyway, I sent in a question last week. However, I would like to ask a follow-up question directed to Pastor Steve. 
Does Steve justify Messianic staying away from church services like that of Dr. Stewart's church just because they don't offer a Sabbath service? If so, how could that be a legitimate reason? Didn't the early church meet daily? This would have included every day, Sunday included, of the week, not just Sabbath. I know that Dr. Stewart teaches on the importance of Sabbath observance and that he is a Sabbath keeper himself, as is all of his staff and many of his church are Sabbath keepers as well. The church teaches and celebrates all the major feasts of the Lord as well. So I don't get how a Messianic can just stay away from the assembly of believers based off one issue when they are commanded not to forsake uh, assembly, etc. Look, I'm not trying to be provocative, but I've heard Dr. Stewart teach on many occasions, and the man is solid. What would be preferable, a solid, herbaically-oriented church like Dr. Stewart's, who celebrates on a Sunday, or an unorganized, wishy-washy, theologically eclectic church that meets on a Saturday? I love you, Pastor Steve. No offense attended, but I was confused by your answer. Um, well, I think I wow. can promise you. I, I promise you, he, he completely misunderstood my answer. Okay, um, good. Yeah, because the um, I think what it was about, Steve. Do you remember remember the question? <clears throat> it was. Um, I can read it to you. Yeah. But, when I remember his case, I just want to say how much he likes uh, the Bible Guys segment. And when they say that, I know they got a tough question. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I was wondering what the Bible Guys make uh, about all the new nations moving to embassies and, and all of that. Uh, let's see, where it is, no, is that, that? Maybe I it. got past. I got past it. Hold on. I'm looking for it again. I got it. I'm trying to find You got it? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Dear Bible guys, I met someone the other day who said they were Messianic. I asked why, where they fellowshiped, and they told me they just met in the home. And they, and they said, is this common for Messianics? I mean, why would people do that when they could go to Dr. Stewart's church and find a community that embraces those truths? As a matter of fact, I have found many in the vein of belief to be very inclusive and somewhat exclusive. Is this normative within the Messianic um, movement? Community, and, yeah. <clears throat> and the um, the the answer is... Uh, yes, it is quite uh, normative for people in the Messianic community to do that because there are so few um, organized um, Messianic congregations. I think we started the first one that actually went through the whole process so that was anything other than a home church. And so when you when someone says, well, why don't they just go to Dr. Stewart's? And I made the comment about because there's not a, a Sabbath um, meeting day um, service. It's not because that's the the sole issue. It's because they've made a um, they've come to an understanding or they've made a decision that they want to attend services on Shabbat and remember the Shabbat the way um, the way it was done and the way the Lord um, commanded it. It's not that they're against. Well, let me let me say this first. Some of them are against people who go to church on Sunday, and those aren't the people that I'm talking about or addressing because you you it's hard to even have a um, a decent conversations with those people. <laughs> Um, but but when people have made a decision to say, hey, this is the day in which um, I want to remember and keep because this is what the Lord initially gave us, then they have to make a decision whether or not they're going to be Saturday people or Sunday people. Because I can promise you, being someone who's tried to walk that line of both, um, it makes it difficult to do anything else in life. If you work Monday through Friday, you want to observe the Sabbath, but then you also want to support a Sunday church, then you basically just have absolutely no time ever to do anything. 
So that would be one reason why um, that they haven't committed. Uh, but again, it really goes back to um, that they've made a decision that they want to worship on Shabbat. And so that's just what they've decided to do. And that's why they're not necessarily attending. It wouldn't have anything to do. And I think the, the other comment about it being a wishy-washy Saturday group, um, if they would take a high offense to that statement, um, just because they're uh, small groups meeting in homes doesn't mean that they're not organized, doesn't mean that they're wishy-washy. That's how most of the church was organized early on, was small house groups. So just because they're not part of a, of a you know, small, medium, or large organized building structured church doesn't mean they're wishy-washy in theology. Yeah, I, and I will say there is a there's a difference between because I, the tone of the question um, and and knowing what Steve said, there, there's a difference between acknowledging the truth of what's going on out there and endorsing um, that behavior. So the the response that Steve gave was simply acknowledging what is happening out there, um, whether that is right or wrong, and that is not necessarily an endorsement of saying, hey, you should stay away from church and those sorts of things. Correct. So um, that, that you, we need to understand uh, that even, even in the Bible, there are things that the Bible acknowledged happened historically, but that doesn't mean that, that God endorsed that behavior. Um, so uh, we have a similar sort of situation here where there was an acknowledgement that did not necessarily equal uh, endorsement of behavior. Thank you. And I'll just go ahead and jump in here since my name was invoked several times in this particular uh, question. Uh, and just for the person uh, asking, you know, I, I know I know Steve uh, really well, and um, and he is fully in support of of what we do as a church and what we and what we teach as a church. And I don't think he would in any way encourage anyone from abstaining from uh, gathering together for the sake of. Um, one issue. I mean, I mean, if you had a, if, I know, I, I think Steve, of course, I'm putting words in your mouth here, but I think if Steve knew of a group, I say a group, if, if Steve knew of a, a family or a couple of people that were meeting in a small group just because it's uh, Sabbath and abandoning um, the fellowship of the believers, um, Steve would encourage them to to go and be a part of a of a congregation. I mean, I don't think the Lord wants people to to take one issue such as um, the issue of Sabbath and abandon the entire body because the word says you can't say I don't have need of that person I can't you, don't, you know the foot can't say I don't have need of the hand over there because I don't like the way the hand does things or well you know what I know the Bible says you need to five fold ministry in your life to perfect you but I'm going to reject that because those five fold ministry minister on on Sundays and Wednesdays uh, those Bible ministry don't worship on minister on a Saturday, so I'm going to reject all of that for the sake of this one issue. I don't think Steve would endorse people doing something like that. Um, and uh, Steve, am I right on that? <laughs> Absolutely right on that. Matter of fact, um, I'm having to talk with people like that because um, I tend to pull out military Steve. Um, <laughs> when, whenever. <laughs> God I mean, even 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 billions. Is useful. It is. It is useful. Um, um, even Billy and I know of a couple that has um, um, rejected all meeting with community, and Billy even tried to reach out to him, and before he could finish his sentence, they shut him down. And so there's some people, it's just, a, it's, as Billy was saying, it's something that's within the community um, that it, uh, I think a lot of the Messianics go through this cycle of 
um, becoming very extreme, becoming anti-church, and then if they're at all being led by the Spirit of God, they'll come back from that foolishness. And I'm, yeah, my answer to that question was basically that that there are people out there who just um, um, have made a decision to keep the Shabbat, and that's why they don't come there. If there was something there on Shabbat, there are some people that meet in homes that may only be a 15, 20, 30-minute drive that would probably start coming. So it's not that they're against Pastor Scott or because he doesn't have a service or about because they don't have a service. It's just that they've made a decision to live that way, and that's why they stay at home. All right, got to take a break, gentlemen. Then we'll come back. Got another question for you when we continue. 22 minutes after 7, Dave Ellswick with you. That's right. I'm back from vacation. You're watching and listening on uh, our Facebook Live patch right now. We're back up on the Internet. We're also on the radio station itself. We're going to also be on the, uh, the podcast. You'll be able to listen to it then. Uh, probably a little after 10. So if you got to us late and you go, what what was the question? Go back and listen after 10, and you can listen to the whole hour at that time. With that all said, let's get a break in. I need to remind you about PI Roofing. PI Roofing is your roof leak detectives. Now, we're going to have rain for the next couple of days, and if you're showing some uh, hints of having a leak uh, in your roof, you know, you're seeing some discoloration perhaps up on the uh, 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 the roof of your bedroom or in your bathroom or in your kitchen or maybe uh, some of the uh, wallpaper you've got on your, uh, your drywall is you can see it puckering a little bit. And that means you may have water behind your drywall. You need to get that fixed. Because if you don't get it fixed, it doesn't get better on its own. It only gets worse. And the people from uh, PI Roofing come out to your house, keep your social distancing going, find where the leak is, take care of the leak. Uh, If you need some work done inside your house, they can do that as well. Uh, They can replace drywall and all that. And you can uh, talk to them about that. But here's what you have to do. You got to do what I do whenever I have a problem, which I did a few well, about a month and a half ago. I called them 707 3551. 707 3551. The nice ladies that answer the phone are going to get you all set up. Somebody will come out to your house. If you got a major leak, uh, they'll get out. Uh, here before we have a, a bunch of rain today or tomorrow because of Bertha, and they'll put some stuff down to keep the water out as Bertha goes by, and then it dries out here at the end of the week. But get it taken care of. Call 707-3551. All right, let's uh, get on with our break, and then I got more coming your way when we return. All right, back with you. 28 minutes after 7. Rush is coming up here in two minutes. So uh, the question that we're going to be talking about in the next segment, a person wants to know what the Bible guys make of all these new nations moving their embassies to Jerusalem. I think there have been three or four new ones in the last week or so. Is there any prophetic meaning in all this show of solidarity and now new relations with Saudi and the Emirates? I'd love to hear Dave's perspective as well regarding the geopolitical meaning. And what's the geopolitical meaning? I think uh, 
bottom line. Uh, some of these nations have wised up better to be friends with the Israelis than enemies. And I, and I, I think that that's what you're going to see. Will it change anything in the future as far as prophetic uh, pronouncements of the Bible? Absolutely not. Uh, the big battle is going to happen over there. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't think, I think according to Scripture, even Jesus doesn't know exactly when it's going to be. But something tells me he's got his armor uh, sitting there ready to be put on at a moment's notice. You know, he's ready to go. When the klaxon goes off, uh, Jesus is ready to, to show up. And I'm, I'm glad that that's the case. But as far as the geopolitical goes, I think maybe it'd be nice to see a little bit of peace over in the Middle East, and perhaps that's what the Saudis think and the Emirates think. Uh, You know, Iran's not going to stand for it. They're going to stir it up as much as they can. Just be aware of that. So that's where I stand on that. We'll see what the Bible guys think when we come back here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, and they'll be answering it from, uh, you know, prophetic meanings. Uh, as far as that's go, go and go. But right now, Rush is here. Time for us to get to Rush Limbaugh. Let's do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. 24 minutes till 8. Don't forget it's 6 p.m. tonight. Uh, Elizabeth will be back with me, and we'll have another hour of the Dave Ellswick Show at that time for you. It will be recorded, but you won't want to miss it. It's going to be some uh, very good talk about the Supreme Court. But right now, the question for the Bible guys who are with me today uh, by phone, hopefully next week we'll all be in studio. The uh, The questioner says, hey, I really like your show. Uh, I really enjoy it. Thanks for having this segment. Anyway, <laughs> he says, I was wondering, I was wondering what the Bible guys make of all these new nations moving their embassies to Jerusalem. I think there has been three or four new ones in the last week or so. Is there any prophetic meaning in all this show of solidarity and now new relations with Saudi and the Emirates? I'd love to hear Dave's perspective as well regarding the geopolitical meaning. I gave you what I thought about the geopolitical meaning. It's, it, it's kind of, you know, the the Egyptian thing with Anwar Sadat. And, uh, you know, he, he came around. Fi- I mean, he was adamantly anti-Israel, but he came around finally to understanding better to be at peace than to be at war all the time. And uh, some good things happened for Egypt because of that. And uh, they still you know, hold their powder dry when it comes to Israel now. With that said, now I'll turn it over to Scott. And this gentleman wants to say, uh, what are you seeing prophetically as far as all of this? Well, I do think that, um, uh, I think Billy Bob mentioned this during the break, I think that, you know, there there has to be a semblance of peace for people to begin to cry out, peace, peace. The Bible says they'll say peace, peace, and sudden destruction comes upon them. I, you have to remember that, um, there is a there's something within the um, the Muslim religion uh, that allows you to make peace with your enemy as long as you believe your enemy to be superior to you. But once you begin to gain the upper hand, you're meant to turn and to attack them. Mm. So I think that whatever peace um, we think we have, we have to remember when certain people use the word peace, their definition of peace is not our definition of peace. Um, and uh, so I think you just have to. You know, you, you, you can celebrate, uh, you know, the, uh, the the seeming peace that we have for the time being, but you always have to be on guard. What was it that 
Is it Reagan who said trust but verify? You have to, you have to, uh, you have to be, uh, you, know, you have to be on your guard all the time. And, and so I think that, at least from what I can see, that's kind of how far it goes. And I will say this: it's not just the Middle Eastern countries that are moving their embassies. I know we had uh, Honduras just announced something just the other day. They're doing it, which I think is also just a big poke in the eye to liberal. Um, um, foreign policy. Did, weren't we told that as soon as we moved our embassy to the, to the Middle East, the whole Middle East was going to explode? But instead, what we've seen is just the opposite. One nation after the next, whether uh, Muslim or, or non-Muslim Christian, have, have been moving their embassies to uh, Jerusalem. So this thing has been uh, success upon success, maybe to setting the stage for future happenings. Now, let me just say that sometimes the only way that peace gets a chance is if peace gets a chance. I mean, John Lennon wasn't totally wrong when he says all we are saying is give peace a chance. Yeah, you got to take a chance once in a while, and that's what Trump's doing. He's taking a chance. Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, Dave, <clears throat> Dave, if you listen to the, um, uh, you can play this politically later, but it, when um, uh, John Kerry came out and said this will never happen, um, there's a, um, an audio where he came out and said that unless peace is made with the Palestinians, there would not be a peace deal. And yeah. everything that Trump's doing is completely opposite of what John Kerry said would happen. It was yeah. kind of funny, but anyway. Of course, but that's just, that's, <clears throat> so, that's what that's that windsurfing sob is. I mean, he's always wrong. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's by really, the way for Scott, that son of a biscuit eater. Okay. No. All right. Thanks. I was a little confused. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we can talk off air later. later yeah, there you um, go. Okay. <laughs> no, now, biblically, um, uh, yes, uh, there's a lot of things that this is, is screaming of real possibilities. And there's another prophecy in the book of Ezekiel that says that when uh, the nation of Israel is living in, in peace and security, but it also uses the phrase unwalled villages, then they will be attacked. And so the idea of the unwalled villages is obviously that they are they are feeling safe, they are feeling secure, they don't have to have walls to guard themselves. And, and so I, I tend to think that this is just setting the stage for a false sense of security like Scott was alluding to. Um, and we'll, we'll see it change on a dime. It, it could be that the Muslims are doing the, um, I forget the name of the law, but they're commanded to make peace. And then when they have the upper hand, like Scott said, then they are to attack. So it's, um, it's completely possible that that's what all this is and setting the stage for that big battle. Well, as I as I said when I was finishing up my look at geopoliticals, I don't care what the, the geopolitical situation gets to be in the Middle East. Uh, I believe in the Bible, and the Bible has this book called Revelation, and uh, it tells us how it's all going to end. And uh, Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to put his toe back down on the Mount of Olives, and that will not be without bloodshed, and, and that's that's coming. With that said, I'll turn it over to Billy now. Yeah, no, uh, uh, I mean, the Bible says what the Bible says, and and we we know uh, that before history, human history can wrap up, um, there has to be the declaration of peace and safety for Israel, and, and I think this is all just part of that move. I, I think we are um, the speed at which. Uh, prophetic things are happening. Someone, someone dropped a brick on the accelerator. I think so. Well, here's what I think. I think that uh, you know you're going to get a little blue sky and and we're going to have bluebirds singing and 
and uh, good things happening, and all of a sudden the, the Shiites are going to hit the fan. I just think that that's what's going to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that's what's going to happen. What can I tell you? Okay, I got one last question for you guys. Let me give it to you. Then we'll take our break, and you can think about it while we're at break. This is a great question because uh, it, it, it's, it's one that's out there. I was wondering about baby dedication. I see pastors dedicating babies all the time, and I wondered why this is being done. Do some believe this is a type of salvation thing, kind of like infant baptism? Just curious why this is being done and the biblical religious reasons why it seems to be so important. I'm glad that they made the differentiation between dedication and baptism because they're two different subjects and we'll talk about it when we return it's the bible guys here on the dave ellswick show by the way if you got a question uh salem fixed our hack you can now send them to bible guys at salemlr.com bible guys at salemlr.com and i should get those questions and i'll get it to our respective bible guys uh as well uh, again, BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. Break, and then we're back for our final question about baby dedications when we return. i got to tell you, well, Kerry McCord does some very interesting shows. That one sounds really, that's going to be up my alley. I love history, so I'll be listening in on that one. I want to hear his undercover work in the, in the prison. I want to hear about that. All right, here was the question, guys. I'm wondering, says our questioner, about Betty, uh, baby uh, dedication. I see pastors dedicating babies all the time, and I've wondered why this is being done. Do some believe that this is a type of salvation thing, kind of like infant baptism? Just curious why this is being done and the biblical-slash-religious reasons why it seems so uh, important. So let's turn it over to the pastor first. Uh, He's got some, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jewish reasons for it. And then he can move into uh, why we in the current church do it as well. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, um, this is like anything else. You know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the heavens. You know, we've talked about this before. You know, baptism is not new to Christianity. It existed in Judaism first. Communion, i.e. Passover, is not a Christian thing. It actually comes from... Uh, from Judaism. And this whole thing about dedicating or laying hands upon children also comes from um, Judaism. We can see it all the way back with with um, Israel or Jacob, for example. You know, he laid his hands upon his his children. You can also see it with Isaac, you know, when, they, when, the, when the two boys were brought to him and he laid his right hand upon one, his left hand upon another as children. So this idea of laying hands upon children and blessing them is very common within Judaism. Even today, within a... Uh, a Sabbath meal, uh, typically what would happen is the father would go around the table and lay his hands upon the children and pr- uh, pronounce blessings over them. And so then you see, in the New Testament, you see people bringing their children to Jesus and wanting him to uh, to pray over them. And why would they be doing that? Because we have a whole history. You have to remember when Jesus was laying hands upon the kids and praying for them, there was no church that instituted baby dedication. But they were bringing it from their Jewish culture. They were giving their children to Jesus. The Bible says he would take them up in his arms, lay his hands upon them, and bless them. So the church then, just following the example of Jesus, 
does the same thing. They take the children. They take the children. I'll do this all the time. I'll take the children up in my arms. I'll lay my hands upon them, and I speak a blessing over the children. I speak a blessing over the parents. I pray for them that they'll be able to lead the children in the ways of uh, of the Lord. So we call it baby dedication, but um, you know it's it's um, it's a way that that uh, you know we see in the Bible where people would present their children. Hannah presented Samuel to the Lord for his mm-hmm. service, and so children will present their children to the Lord and ask for blessing upon them. But it's not has nothing to do with baptism, doesn't save children, you know, none, none of that. Um, there are some traditions, like the Reformed tradition, they believe that you can actually have children become a part of the community of faith from that point on. The Catholics believe in infant baptism. We, we don't see any of that in Scripture, but we do see very regularly laying hands upon children and blessing them for the, as a part of, um, of just a send them on their way in the in the beginning of their life but that's that's pretty much what it is all right i had somebody send us another question this one through the bible guys at salemlr.com so it's working folks just so you'll know i'm wondering what the bible guys think of the holiness doctrine billy this sounds like it's right up your alley I'm asking especially about the Pentecostal persuasion, i.e. no makeup, no wearing jeans, etc. Also, as we are in the days of awe, uh, I was wondering if the guys might speak to what we should be doing or expecting at this time of the year, if anything. So, Billy, let me start it off with you. The holiness doctrine, your thoughts. Um, So, the holiness doctrine... Uh, by and large, uh, is uh, all about exactly that, right? Trying to be holy. Um, And I don't... A lot of that is between an individual and and their maker, right? Um, If there are are things in your life that you think um, draw you away from his presence and away from his holiness, then abstain from those things. Um, as far as um, trying to impose, and that's where that's where I run into a problem with with some people. As far as trying to impose that on others, um, man, that can be really tricky, and you can create some really difficult situations there. So, uh, and, and my holiness is not based on my actions anyway. Uh, my 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 salvation is not based on my actions anyway. My salvation comes from the fact that a holy God robed himself in flesh and came to die for me. So, uh, now don't get me wrong, I, I grew up in uh, a holiness tradition. Uh, I, I still I still go to places where um, that is, is very much a thing, and I, I, I don't um, I don't mind the fact that people are, particularly when we talk about modes of dress um, or, or, or makeup and those sorts of things, um, I can appreciate the fact that um, people are sensitive to the fact that someone might be tempted by the way you uh, are, are dressing or acting when you come to church. Uh, let's, let's leave that behavior for some other place. So um, it, it, you can, it can be overdone. Just like anything in Christianity, it can be overdone. Um, but there is certainly room for it. There is certainly a, an appropriate time for it. Um, and, and I guess that's kind of my position there. All right. Anything from Steve or Scott on that, or did Billy cover it pretty good? Yeah, I think uh, Billy covered it pretty good. The idea of holiness within, uh, within the Hebraic thought is nothing can be holy unless God inhabits it. Um, so you can't do anything to become holy or be holy. You can only 
walk out the holiness that God is has brought into your life. So it's not me wearing my hair in a bun that makes me holy. Uh, um, but um, you have to carry the presence of God with you. But everything else, I fully agree okay. with you. Let me throw something else in. Real quick, Steve, let me throw this in. Is it not that when God looks at us, he sees us through the blood of Jesus and that he sees us as holy because of that? And when I think you can look, that statement works um, for salvation. All right. Um, that, but he, we also have to separate, you know, sometimes we, we think that just because something is not necessarily holy, that it's sin, and that may not be the case. So, like when you go, if you go back and look at the model that they had for the tabernacle or the temple, there was a different level of requirement of holiness for every one of the priests, depending on how close and how much, how close they worked to the holy of holies. And so, for us, with God's calling people to a a higher level of holiness, meaning maybe maybe they don't watch certain movies, maybe they don't use certain words, maybe they don't say certain things or they dress a certain way that there is a level of holiness in which people could be God could be calling people to a more intimate way but then there's some people who would take that statement like you just said Dave and think that well he sees me that way therefore I can do whatever I want and I'm justified no. and holy by that view yeah I would so, never say that right yeah. I know you wouldn't but but there are there are many who have they teach that doctrine today they okay. teach that Jesus did it all, and therefore your conduct, your actions, your speech, and everything that you do really doesn't matter because he sees you through the blood. And that's not true. I think that we've used this phrase before where there's salvation and then there's sanctification. And Correct. as we walk through as a new believer, my speech and my conduct and the things that I do and the things that I say should be different the further I walk down this road. You know, um, you know you. like... So anyway, there's a difference between, but just because you wear your clothes a certain way, wear your hair a certain way, doesn't necessarily mean you are holy. Those things can be false levels of holiness. All right. Before we leave, let me get to that second part. And Scott, I leave it to you. We're in the days of awe. This questioner says, I'm wondering if you might speak to what we should be doing or expecting at this time of the year, if anything. You got one minute. yeah, the days of all are the beginning with the, with the Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, blast. you got 10 days before the arrival of Yom Kippur. What you're doing during this time is you're making way, you're making yourself ready for the arrival of uh, of the king. So you are in a time of repentance, uh, and basically the bride is preparing herself for the great atonement uh, that was shed through the blood of Jesus as we celebrate the Feast of Atonement that will be coming up here. I think it begins Sunday evening. So it's a time of repentance, reflection, and getting our heart right because we're about to meet the king. All right. Boy, wouldn't that be cool if that actually happened? <laughs> I'd be I'd be all about that for sure. Guys, thanks so much for joining us next week. I hope to have everybody back in the studio and everybody can watch us on Facebook. Until then, you all have a great week and I'll uh, I'll talk to you before you appear again. Billy, thank you. Scott, thank you. Steve, thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you again next week. The Dave Ellswick Show, this is it for the live version. Don't forget, I'll be back with you at 6 p.m. this evening in an hour with Elizabeth and Robert Steinbach. You won't want to miss it if you want to know what's going on about the Supreme Court justice that needs to be nominated. I can see you now forever.
didn't know you just turned on 101.1 fm or you turned it on to listen to rush and then you listen to sean and then you listen to you know the folks there in washington dc now it's me all right so i'm here and ready to go and i'm back from vacation and with me is elizabeth saltelaro she's joined me as well as robert steinbach robert of course is a a uh, law professor over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his uh, his alone and not necessarily those of the school or the university to which they belong. So we're glad to have him on. And the big uh, topic of discussion going on right now is the whole thing about, well, should the president really nominate somebody to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, position now that she has passed away, or should the uh, Republicans say, no, we're not going to do it. We'll wait till after the election and uh, we'll give the Ah. Democrats uh, the opportunity, maybe if they can pull out an upset win, which I think it would be if they if they unseat Trump and then they get to do it. And the bottom line is, no, that's not true in any way shape or form the senate the the president is supposed to nominate the senate then either says okay we'll accept your nomination or no we won't accept your nomination and typically that's why they don't make a nominee if it the president's a, a democrat and uh, and the senate is republican because they know they can't get them through they're going to get blocked They're going to get stopped. But right now, the Republicans control the Senate. The Republicans control the White House. So it only makes sense that Trump is going to nominate uh, somebody to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's position. Now, did I did I say that correctly, Robert? Let me start with you and then you can jump in, Elizabeth, as well. but is that pretty much the way it's supposed to work? That's the way I read the Constitution. You're 100% right, Dave. Of course you are. It's very simple. Up until the day the president leaves office, he's entitled to nominate you, you for, for any position, and the Senate is entitled to vote on it. Now, with that said, last time when the Democrats put somebody up, Merrick, Merritt or Merrick Garland, yeah. the Republican said, well, we're not going to call up that vote because we're of a different party. And I had, during your absence, Josh Silverstein on yesterday, in fact, to discuss that. And as you know, he's a liberal. And he, he said, well, but you see the difference is the Republicans won on that, meaning they achieved their goal of not uh, confirming Obama's nominee, and therefore they are more bound by that, quote, president, end quote, than the hypocrisy of the Democrats. Oh, and that's I told BS. Him and your audience. That's not <laughs> accurate. Well, it's just nonsense. It's one way or the First of all, the, the Democrats <laughs> seem to forget 
that Mitch McConnell made it quite clear that there was a subtle distinction. Now, I don't think it's the most important distinction, but the subtle distinction which you raise, which is that the parties of the Senate and the president are different, that usually results in a different outcome. But put that aside for just a moment. The fact is that this is ultimately about the exercise of constitutional power. That's and right. the exercise of constitutional power Thank says you. if you control the Senate, you can stop a candidate from going through. And if you want a candidate to go through, meaning the president and the Senate are of the same party, then it'll go through. It's exercise. You said elections power. have consequences. Who said that? That was Barack Obama, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. So elections have consequences, and the power is vested in the people in the people that the people we the people put in place. We elected these people to do their jobs. Yeah. So let me jump in real quick. Here's what the president said. He said at GOP. We were put in this position of power and importance to make decisions for the people who so proudly elected us, the most important of which was, has long been considered to be the selection of the United States Supreme Court justices. We have this obligation, this obligation without delay. He said that back on the 19th, three days ago. So I don't think he's changed his mind on this. Do you guys? Of course not. And to be clear, the the factor that is critical here is that we know the president can get his candidate through the Senate. And that was not the case when Obama put up his candidate. No. So Obama and the Democrats kept saying, well, you need to at least take a vote. And that was no. a political argument. But in the end, it wouldn't have gotten through anyway. Yeah, you know, the bottom line following the Constitution. Go ahead, Elizabeth. I'm sorry. It, it just strikes me that the Democrats constantly look at whatever issue presents itself from the point of view of manipulating the outcome rather than, I think, conservatives look at issues from, I'll call it a process or procedural. In other words, we, we have a Constitution. We have a structure. We have a way these things are supposed to go. We will follow that structure. But the Democrats, it's like everything depends on how we can manipulate the system or the process or refuse to participate or refuse to play so that we can force and bully the American public into the outcome that we demand. Well, you couldn't have said that any better. That, that was said very well. Go ahead, Robert. It was fantastic. But I think we also need to acknowledge that some Republicans put their foot in their mouths. So I like Lindsey Graham generally. But Lindsey Graham said, no way I'm bringing up a new nominee in the last year of Trump's administration. And now he is. That's just a contradiction. Yeah. He can. He should. And his answer should have been he, he gave us convoluted answer. Now, his answer should have been one of two things. The better answer, I think, is I changed my mind. I thought about it. There you go. My mind. I just right? changed my mind. And I'm allowed, by the way. Uh, right. <laughs> the other possible answer, and I'm not sure it's true. The other possible answer is the old Huey Long answer when they came banging on his door down in Louisiana. And his aide comes in and said, they're banging on the door saying you promised to give them such and such. And you haven't given it to them. And he says, oh, go tell them I lied. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I doubt Lindsey Graham would ever say he lied, but I agree. I think he would have been better served to, to say, you know, that was then. This is now. I've changed my mind. Yeah, I would just say, I, say, hey, I, you I'm just, just following my comments against me. <laughs> All you got to say is, hey, I, I knew John Kerry very well. I changed my mind. <laughs> no, that's 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 all you gotta say because here's the key this is the constitution at play and we we love i know the three people that are talking right now myself robert and elizabeth love the constitution and here's what the constitution says this is the most straightforward way i can put this the president shall nominate a would-be justice subject to the advice and consent of the United States Senate. Period. Point blank. That's what it says. It doesn't Done. say Ginsburg, Ginsburg gets to call it from her deathbed. It and she, hey, she was the first one to say she didn't want them to do yes. some of the stuff that they're doing right now. Yes. Well, can I comment on that, Dave? What I really find somewhat distasteful is when the Democrats constantly say, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg wanted to wait for her reappointment or the appointment to the spot that she held. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, is she the the king or queen of the United States? Like, I don't even mean, you know what I want? I want everybody to stop by my house and give me one dollar. Just one dollar. Just one dollar. Every American, give me a dollar. That's right, $350 million. So I'm not sure, like, how do you even appeal to that as a notion? It seems so patently ridiculous. And if she really was committed to ensuring that a Democrat replaced her on the court, well, she could have retired during Obama. So she wasn't committed to that idea, and that's okay. She was hope yeah. she was she was a tough bird, okay? I will give her credit. Mm-hmm. She my gosh, at eighty seven and how many times has she fought off cancer? And she even brought her briefing book to the hospital this last time. You know, she was dedicated mm-hmm. to her job. I, I I respect that. She was an advocate for women in many ways. That is a good thing for our culture, not the way they enforce it, but the idea is good. She was a tough bird. She thought she was going to hold out. She thought, once again, she was hanging on to the idea that she just knows for sure that, uh, you know, Biden's going to get elected. And I think she would let go. I think she would have let go at that point. And I think that's what she was hoping she could do. All right. So Guy Benson made this statement. And then, Robert, I'll let you uh carry on what what he's saying here and then we'll get a break in and then we'll come back and elizabeth yeah i'll give you some time to think about it as well guy benson says 29 times in american history there has been an open supreme court vacancy in a presidential election year or in a lame duck session before the next presidential elect inauguration the president made a nomination in all 29 cases now he quotes that and that's from john mccormick uh in a a segment that he had from september 19th of this year and uh, you can find that in the national review history on the side of republicans filling a supreme court vacancy in 2020 what say you to that uh rob well that's a fact 
right? It's not even, this is not even an opinion question. That is, of course, the president has always nominated someone during these circumstances, including Obama. But when Obama did it, the Senate didn't take it up. So it's a, the question whether the president should nominate, I think, is actually a fairly easy question. The, the president should nominate. The question whether the Senate should take it up, according to the Democrats, is a little bit more complicated. But as I've said, I've always thought this is not about, well, if there's a party here and a party there, or it's this number of days out, all of these kind of convoluted arguments. I think it's ultimately an exercise of constitutional power. And if, you're in, if you have that power, then you can exercise it. And if you think it's right to do so, that is, you want to stop. Uh, uh, in this case, you want to ensure a conservative is put on the court, then you do it. And vice versa, if you can stop it, which is what McConnell did when Obama was trying to put somebody up, then you stop it. Now, McConnell yeah, now didn't wait, even need to let do me, that Let me time. stop. Stop this yep. right now just because yep. let's keep something in mind. When Obama put Garrick up, he was going to take the place of Antonio Scalia, one of the Correct. foremost conservatives on the Supreme Court in recent history. And the Republicans say, said, and rightly so, we'll have none of no, that. No, no, no. Right, but remember, there's no rule that says, oh, when it's a switch in political philosophy or judicial philosophy, we are more reticent about doing it in the last year. He, uh, that is, Mitch McConnell did it because he didn't want a liberal going on the court. That's right, exactly. All right, let's get a break in. We've got to do that when we come back. I know Elizabeth has something to say about this. I've been talking to her. She's fired <laughs> up about this. I'm just letting everybody know. Stay with us. We're coming back with more. Here on the uh, 6 o'clock hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. Remember, you can always uh, send us, uh, you know, questions through uh, email to Dave at SalemLR.com. And uh, we'll get to it during one of the 6 o'clock hours uh, as we move through uh, the week. We may not get it today, but we will get to it uh, in the, in the near future. With that said, a break and then more coming your way here on 101.1 FM, the answer. We're back with you. And I promised I was going to unleash Elizabeth for you, uh, dealing about this whole Supreme court thing. Cause I'm telling you what fired up does not cover how she feels right now. So with that said, don't let me down now, Elizabeth, I really built you up. It's all yours now until you're done uh, venting your spleen. Go. And there's not so much venting. It's just that, again, I, I'm stuck on the idea that the people elected our current Senate, the people elected our current president, they serve until they are replaced. And they are there to do their jobs. If you look at, well, we're you know two months from an election or we're three months and, and we don't need to take any action because an election is looming. Well, that's an arbitrary timeline. So, I mean, are you going to, you know, is it a year? Is it two years? Should it just be four? We put these people in office and they can't do their job because then another election is coming. No, they are in office. They need to do their jobs. They need to take care of business. And there's always another election looming. Um, this is the elections have consequences. McConnell is holding the line. He is... I think making the right sounds, my curiosity is whether they will go ahead and call for a vote before or after the election itself. 
I, I, I'm fascinated. I have no idea what to think about whether they will or won't call for a vote in the Senate before November the 3rd. What's your take, Robert? You think to, I think they're going to call for the vote. What about you? Right now, I think they are going to call for the vote because the whole idea is to try to force it through. And I, I paused actually a moment there because that suggested doing something nefarious. That's not true, but they want to pick the path that gives them the greatest likelihood of obviously getting the nomination confirmed. And so it's a small time window. So I think they are going to pursue that. Now, if things change and five Republicans come forward and say we're not going to vote for it, Mitch McConnell typically, as most do, but he's very good at it, will say, I'm not going to take a vote that I know I'm going to lose. Uh-huh. Well, understand that Lindsey Graham was on Sean Hannity last night saying, we have the votes. We have 50. He seemed pretty sure of himself. Right. Now, and obviously I think they do that can change. You know, they need to call for the vote now. <laughs> Again? Right. They usually set up uh, hearings before the vote. Uh, and I don't know. We t- discussed in one of the previous segments this morning whether that's required. I don't fully know the answer to that question, but I think that they will push to have it the vote as quickly as they can reasonably do so. From what right, I well, see and, and, I and what I read, the hearings are not required. Now, politically, they probably need to happen. I don't. That's another thing, guys. If they do the vote before November third, don't you think that's going to be a landslide for Trump? At the same time, the comment is the left will, uh, my gosh, I can't imagine they could pitch bigger fits than they're pitching now, but you know that they will. So then the bottom line is you might as well go for it, Republicans, because the Democrats are going to go nuts no matter what you do. So go for it. There's perhaps a political argument not to go for it in the sense that you say, oh, look, we couldn't get it through now, so you better vote. Republican, so that we can get it through later. Either way, it's hard to read the electorate. It's It's hard to read. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think you just do what you know is right and and go get it done. Oh, I agree. I would not. That's kind of the way I see it. I just say that. Let's get it done. Yeah, let's get it done. let's, Let's go. Let's go do it because look. If you push him, you push uh, the Supreme Court nominee over, uh, you know, whether people like to hear this or not, you really have, uh, in essence, changed the feel of the Supreme Court from leaning left to strongly leaning to the right. Now, People are going to go off the reservation from time to time, like Roberts and 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 mm-hmm. uh, uh, is it Kavanaugh or or that went off the it reservation? Was Gorsuch, that Gorsuch yeah, Gors- Well, but he, you know, you go back and look at some of his stuff. He's got he's got some libertarian leanings, so you got to keep yeah. you got kind of like Kennedy did. So you got to kind of kind of play that kind of stuff out. But the bottom line on really really serious issues. I think the court would be decidedly more to the right than they would be to the left. Now, maybe Robert or you, Elizabeth, think that I'm wrong. We've got two minutes to talk about about that until we've got to take a break, and then we can pick it up again. What's your thought, Robert? Uh, will, will the court no, think- swing basically right? 
I think you're dead on. There's no question, in fact. I think it's not open to dispute that changing the Ginsburg vote to an appointee from President Trump will swing the court right. How much is an open question, but there's no question that it will be a swing to the right. Okay. You still got 90 seconds, Elizabeth. I'm giving it to you. Go. The right, the right, swinging it to the right would see, set us up well. We really need a full Supreme Court in place because we all know that there's going to be a huge amount of litigation coming out of November 3rd. They're not going to let a single race be uncontested, and it's all going to end up at the Supreme Court's feet. And if wow. we're in a 4-4 situation, we're not in good shape. That's really an important thing to take into consideration. And with that thought in mind, I will say, uh, in, in my mind, of course, you're going to see uh, McConnell and the president be adamant oh. about putting somebody up and getting them into the Supreme Court. I agree with that. 100 percent all right look we got to take a break i got to get to the break that's coming up we're going to get you some news and then uh robert steinbach who is of course a uh, a law professor over at the uh, bowen school of law his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the school or the school that supports the bowen school of law uh he has he has his own time uh, his own opinions as well elizabeth sotolaro is with me i'm dave ellswick i'm back from vacation let's get to the news right now here on 101.1 we're at it again here on the dave ellswick show in the 6 p.m segment i'm glad that you joined us i really think that the 6 p.m segment has become a major segment of my show a lot of really really important discussions take place during this hour and when we let up before we went to the news we were talking about you know would the republicans you know nominate in the effect that would trump nominate somebody to fill ginsburg's place and would mcconnell be able to push him across the finish line i believe both of the answers to those questions is yes and then elizabeth said something at the very end of the last segment that was really important. Right now, we have a 4-4 split on the court, okay? And when you have a 4-4 split, you have no room for error of knowing what Supreme Court justices are going to do as much as you can know what they're going to do. So Elizabeth says, let's get that person nominated and confirmed so we've got that get that 5-4 lean to the right because the left has said that they're going to try to screw up this election rob using uh, mail-in votes and everything and uh, the courts are going to play an important part in this and probably the supreme court will really play an important part in this election if Trump wins and then the left says, but wait a second, we found a box of uh, mail-in votes in, uh, you know, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I mean, it's important we got those five in there, isn't it? It's really one of the sort of subtle 
undertones in this whole debate as to whether or not the president should appoint someone right now. And that is, there is a significant chance that there is going to be litigation over this election. And those decisions are often somewhat political on either side. And you certainly don't want to give away that benefit, so to speak, to the other side, because no side has sort of a theoretical or philosophical advantage. So at that point, it's pure politics. And if it's pure politics, it might as well fall in your favor. Yeah. I, I I really agree with that. When Elizabeth, thankfully, you were the voice of reason there when you said that, because that makes all the sense in the world. And that's why the Democrats are literally freaking out right now. Don't you think that's the case, Elizabeth? I think that may be a large part of why they're having such fits. Um, Rob, isn't it true that if something does arise, and I know it will after November 3rd or on November 3rd, it will be, I mean, if it turns out to be a certain uh, way, it will be expedited and it will be heard at the Supreme Court quickly. Isn't that true? Because it's an election related issue? As a practical matter, I think that's true. I don't think it's legally required, but that doesn't much matter. As a practical matter, I think you're entirely right. And that's where I'm basing my opinion on. Um, my friend says, oh, well, you know, nothing's going to happen that fast. I'm like, oh, no, it will because we have to know. I mean, we have to know. We have to settle this election. And I believe oh, that they, I, I honestly believe it. it won't matter unless it is some overwhelmingly large landslide. I don't think the Democrats are going to, I don't think they're going to concede on any level, local, state, or national. Uh, on November 3rd, I think they're all going to obstruct. Okay, so... I'd be very surprised if they do anything other than that. Robert Elizabeth asked an interesting question to me in the the first hour of the show today. She said, what did I think Trump will do if Biden doesn't concede the election? And I said... He'll act like he's the president of the United States because he is. But if he wins, right. But if, I'm just saying, if, but I'm saying if he's if, won, but Biden still doesn't, he won't concede. You know, you hear what I'm saying? Kind of like Hillary on the worst. Sure. <laughs> yeah, the concession's irrelevant, frankly. The, the question is, what is the result of the election? And if the result is in dispute and Biden sues, what does the ultimately, as Elizabeth points out, what does ultimately the Supreme Court say as to who is the winner? And Trump will act on that. Yeah, he's going to stay in the White House as president until he's told he's not president. That's the way I see it. Be careful with that one. Be careful with that one, because now you're getting kind of close to what the left was saying. No, when they had no, I, I was, I was clear. Project. I was clear. Yeah, he's I not going to put. He's not putting sandbags. <laughs> he's not going to put sandbags around the White House. Oh it's yeah, just, I have to be removed militarily. You know, Biden saying that what yeah. idiot that he is. But uh, no, that that ain't going to happen. I'm just saying, if he is the duly elected president of the United States, he should and he will stay exactly where he should, which is in the White House. But if if they can throw enough shade on him, as far to use a a, a current term, so to speak, from the left. What what they're going to try to do is they can they can have another four years of calling him uh, 
uh, Ill- you know, calling you illegitimate a president. illegitimate president again. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he doesn't exist. He's not really here. We're going to pretend like it didn't really happen. Um, these these Democrats are driving me crazy because, the, again, with their refusal to, it's the consent of the governed. It's the Constitution. It is the structure of our republic. This is how we do things in America. This is not a banana republic where you get to strong arm and bully the American public and burn down $50 billion worth of property across the country because you're having a hissy fit because you can't have your socialist way. You have to fight it. Well, like I said earlier in the show, and Robert, I don't know if you said it or not, people on the right right now have not gotten to that point where they're willing to slap the teeth out of the left uh, if they keep doing this stuff that they're doing uh, in our in our country right now. And I don't know if the right is up for that or if they will ever get up to that. There may come a point where they have to get up for it. What's your thoughts about that? Well, this has been my beef for a long time with Republicans and conservatives. For years and years, the Democrats would simply call Republicans and conservatives racist if the Democrats didn't like something that the Republicans were doing, often having nothing to do with race, by the way. And Republicans ran away and cowered in the corner. Not all of them and not all of the time, but too often. And I had been saying for a long time, and I wrote an article a decade ago on this topic, I said for a long time that Republicans need to stand up and defend themselves from these false claims, amongst others, of racism. They they are not true claims. That's the key. If they were true claims, that would be one thing. Obviously, they're not. And I think Republicans need to be vigilant in holding to their actual beliefs. Well, I agree with that. For those beliefs, they hold on to them. They just don't talk about them. And they're sure not understanding that the war that we're in requires that you fight. You have to. You're not going to just. It's the difference between reacting. What is it? Offense and defense. All they've ever done is some defense. We've got to be offensive. We have got to start getting out there and educating people, teaching them what our principles are excuse me, what their principles are and why they're important and why it is important for us to adhere to our Constitution, which has produced the greatest, most fabulous country in the whole world over all these years. The people here in our country have done better. Yes, we've had problems. Sure, we've had, you know, bad things. But in general, we have produced more innovation and more prosperity in our people. We have freedom. We have liberty. We have got to figure out why that's not being defended. Because I really don't think, for the most part, a lot of Americans understand that those particular uh, rights are being threatened right now. They see problems in Portland. They see problems in Seattle. They see problems uh, in some of the major cities, but they... I think the closest they came to understanding that this is shaking down in smaller town America is what happened in Wisconsin. What do you think about that, Rob? Yeah, look, I think that we are in a position now. I'm going to sort of step back from that question slightly and say a broader point, which is we're in a position in this country that 
Republicans and Democrats are deeply divided on core tenants. I believe more so because of the actions of the Democrats, but somewhat because of the actions of the Republicans in the following way. The Democrats have been overtaken by the neo-Marxists. They are absolutely moving in a direction driven by race-based ideology. The Republicans have gotten somewhat more conservatives on a key, conservative on a key number of issues, albeit not so on others, like I would like to see a, a renewed commitment to balancing the budget, not during the pandemic, oh. of course, but in general, and we don't see that. But I think that parties have become more polarized, and so elections matter even more so now because there is not what has been I would say historically a tendency towards the middle, there is more of a tendency towards the polls, meaning the opposites. And you see that more so in parliamentary systems. And the results that we see now look more like parliamentary elections than they do our two-party system, at least as it has historically operated. Rob, I've got about two minutes here. Let me just ask your buddy that is a liberal. Uh, does does he see the Democratic Party being overtaken by Marxists? I don't know if he would concede that they're being overtaken by Marxists, but I do think he would admit that those voices have become louder uh, and have taken a more prominent position within the party leadership. That's my guess. Mm. They definitely okay. have. Interestingly enough, it was just on the news, the Black Lives Matter folks have realized that their positions are probably a little too strong for their constituency. It was on the news yesterday that they've changed the uh, mission statement on their website now. Instead of attacking the nuclear family and taking, you know, we're going to tear down America, we're going to burn down America, they've made it a much more palatable comment. So they've got an internal fight in the Democrats as well because of that. That's not a surprise. That's not a surprise at all. Uh-huh. Because, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that whole thing, I would send people to the Black Lives Matter website. I said, read it for yourself. I, I'm sure yeah. I can still go back and read it, and it's it's just totally against my, my craw. But you know, I'll have to take a look at that. All right, we've got to get a break in. Let's do that, and we'll come back and finish this up. Robert Steinbach is with us. He's a law professor over at UALR at the Bowen School of Law. Let you know that his opinions are his and his alone. I want to make sure I say that again, just so that you know uh, that this is what Bowen School of Law and UALR should think, but they don't. And then secondly, uh, Elizabeth Sotolaro is with us. She handles all of my uh, Facebook and, and uh, uh, stuff that's on the Internet. She, she does it for free. Uh, she loves freedom. She loves the truth. And so she came to me and, and told me, let me help you as much as I can. And, and she does in many, many ways and in, in ways that maybe you won't even ever know about. But just understand that she's really an important part of the Dave Ellswick show. With that said, I got to get a break in. Let's take a break. And Heidi, it's up to you. Final segment of today's six o'clock hour. So we know well, we don't really know 100%, but I'm going to say 99.7%. The president is going to nominate a woman for the Supreme Court. And it's right now four names are being floated out there. 
The one that I'm most interested in, I think, Rob, you as well, is the 7th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals Judge Amy Coney Barrett. Also being thought uh, widely about is 11th Circuit Judge Barbara Lagoa, 4th Circuit Judge Allison Jones Rushing, and 6th Circuit Judge, and I think uh, the youngest of all of them, and uh, an evangelical, uh, Joan Larson. And I think that, Elizabeth, you know a little bit about her. I'll let you talk about her if you want to. Well, she kind of got my attention. Uh, she is the youngest, which means if she were approved, she would be there for quite a long while. But I like that she clerked for... Go ahead. No, I just said she'd be there forever, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, she clerked for Scalia. All right. She also worked for George Bush in the White House. She's been around. Uh, she hasn't done a lot of Circuit Court of Appeals work, so it may be that they say, you know, we, we want a jurist that has more experience at that level. Although, Rob could speak to this, it is not required, and we have had justices that have had, if no experience, very, very little Um there is one of them, and I'm not sure if she's the one, that everyone says she has such charisma. She has such personality that that could overcome some of the shortcomings. Okay. All of these women, by the way, made the circuit court because of Trump. Did you know that? Interesting. Interesting. I did not know that, but that makes sense. They were all put, they were all put up there by Trump, and uh, all of them have gone through the Senate confirmation process, which could prepare them a little bit for what I think is going to be like the nastiest political battle of all time. Ooh. I mean, and, and it's going to, I mean, it's going to get so bruised. Yeah. He's, uh, no, you know? he didn't bruise me. I mean, I would hope well, it, that it hurt the country. Know, it, it hurt the country. Okay. Yeah. It hurt the country. They're well, doing it, hurt, it. It hurt the Democrats worse than it hurt us. Just to be honest, I'll be honest with that. It hurt the Democrats. And if they get out there and they start calling, you know, if it's Barrett and they start calling, you know, well, you're a Roman Catholic. How can you be a Roman Catholic and be, uh, you know, on the Supreme Court? Blah, 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 blah. I can just see it. I can see the 2020 election blowing up all over the place for the Democrats. I mean, I whatever money the Republicans have, run it against them. I'm just saying, just run it against them. Barrett's 48 years old, former law professor at Notre Dame, uh, a favorite of religious conservatives due to her Catholic faith, which has caused Democrats already to attack her. Uh, for instance, Diane Feinstein said this. Are you guys ready? The dogma lives loudly within you. She thinks she's Yoda now, Diane Feinstein. Uh, the dogma lives loudly within you, and that's of concern, said Diane Feinstein during Barrett's eventual 55-43 confirmation. Uh, she clerked for the late Supreme Court Justice Antonia Scalia. She was in the mix for the seat Trump eventually nominated Justice Brent Kavanaugh to, but was passed over. Axios reported that Trump at the time said he was saving her. Are you ready for this? Saving her for Ginsburg. (laughs) Kind of like that. Uh, Barbara Lagoa is 52. Previously served on the Florida Supreme Court. Highly popular among political types in Florida. Some in the state are reportedly pushing Trump to nominate her because it could help the president win this important swing state. 
others uh, on the list. Allison Jones rushing. She's 38 years old. The younger side for a potential Supreme Court nominee was confirmed to her current post in March of 2019 on a 53-44 party line vote. Rushing a favorite of evangelicals, an important well of support for President Trump. Besides that, she has impressive conservative bona fides. Rushing held three clerkships with conservative judicial uh, judicial luminaries. Judge David Centel on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, a Reagan appointee. Uh, then Judge Neil Gorsuch on the Tenth Circuit. Uh, and Justice Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court. And then finally... Uh, we have Joan Larson. Larson previously served on the Michigan Supreme Court, was a University of Michigan faculty member before being appointed to the circuit court. She was confirmed to her current post on the appeals court 6038, attracting some Democrat votes, but not nearly as many as Lagoa. She also clerked for Centel and Scalia is a regular contributor to discussions for the Federalist Society and Association of Conservative and libertarian lawyers. All right, we got about three minutes left, guys. They all sound pretty good to me. Indeed. And so just to clarify, it's not that I support this uh, Seventh Circuit judge more than the others. She's the only one I know anything significant about, and she's a solid candidate. But what little I've read about the others in the newspaper, and this is an evolving story because these names are continuing to come out, uh, they all sound like they are capable. So I don't have a strong opinion amongst each of these candidates. I think they all sound pretty strong. All right. This just coming. President Trump has tweeted that he'll announce his choice for the Supreme Court Saturday at the White House. Bingo. Terrific. So there it is. Bingo. President added exact time TBA. It's kind of, kind of like watching the NBA. Uh, well, here, the here's a little side announced. comment. He's taken to doing these Saturday press releases and press conferences, and I think it's a little bit humorous. It could just be me, but I think he sort of enjoys asking the press corps to have to work on Saturday. <laughs> well, I don't think that's it. Here's what I, I think. think. That's part of his that you know this. Days. You both know this as well as I do. Whatever happens Saturday, I'll be on the Talking Head show Sunday. Oh, absolutely. So if that he puts his nominee up on Saturday, there be going, you know, ape guano uh, as far as the Sunday talk shows. They'll be all fighting to see who can get her first to come on and talk to them. You know that type of thing or. Hey, do we have anything on this lady that we can put out there that can, you know, derail her nomination? Oh. You know, you know that's going to happen too. Well, there's two things on that. It, it, it to the Democrats, I'm sure. Nancy said it a day or so ago. We have arrows in our quiver. I'm sure that they have numerous terrible stories to start dropping every 24 hours or more often every day between now and November 3rd well, because of Trump. Now I'll it's just going to say get this. worse. We're going to have two and three stories every day about her, about Trump. And just watch for it to happen and know that every single day they're going to come up with some outrageous, ridiculous attack. <laughs> 